Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Nation? Today we are back again and we're going to have a phenomenal episode. As you guys know, I always bring the energy and I feel that on this episode, we're going to have somebody that is going to match my energy, which a lot of the times I know is kind of hard to do, but I've seen this brother in action and I'm telling you when he gets the going, he gets the going. So without further ado, please help me in welcoming Mr. Pastor Brian Bullock to the show. Brian, want to go ahead and say what's hey, up with the Dream Nation? I made it. I, I've arrived. Do you hear what I'm saying? I, <laughs> listen, I've traveled the world, but I'm here. I've made it. Dream Nation, thank you for welcoming me. I'm super excited, man. I, I'm ready to go. I'm I'm amped about this. I'm just glad that I'm in the number, man. Now I get to be, when they scroll, you know, on Instagram and on YouTube, they're going to see all the famous faces, and then they're going to see my face, too. You know what I'm saying? So... I'm just glad, uh, for those who don't know who I am, I'm Brian Bullock, and I'm just excited to be able to talk to you guys today. It's cool. Man, we're excited to learn from you. You got so much wisdom, and uh, we know that the stories are going to come out, and I'm excited to hear them. But I always love to give the proper introduction, and I always like to think of us entrepreneurs as superheroes. Why? It's because we're constantly flying around, we're putting on our cape, and we're trying to solve problems around the world to make this world a better place. And so I always love to give the proper introduction, and before we talk about all of the publication, the videos that you've had went viral, the people whose lives that you've changed. I mean, you've been all over the world and I've seen you from a viral clip. So I know there's someone else out there that already knows who you are, but I like to take it back before all of that. When we can think about you being just a young boy, tell me who is Brian Bullock? Man, I was born and raised in the inner city of Boston and grew up on the rough side, man, in a city called Dorchester. And uh, man, Typical story, you know, my mom was a single mom, uh, raising me and my two brothers on her own. I'm the middle child. Uh, father was struggling with a drug, drug addiction in and out of the home. You know, my the first time I ran with my dad was me running after my dad because he had stole my mother's pocketbook that I left on the porch. He took it and ran. I ran after my dad. And it dawned on me years later that the only time I've ever ran with my dad was trying to wrestle my mother's purse out of his hand because I know he was trying to use it for drugs. And uh, man, my mom was doing her best, man. My mother, when I was in third grade, my mom did something no mother should do to their child. She was my cafeteria lady at my elementary school. And one day without my permission, I walk into the cafeteria and my mother's got on one of those hair nets and she's <laughs> serving my friends mashed potatoes with old tasting gravy. And uh, my mom was just doing, man, everything she could do to keep us alive and keep us growing. But one of the beautiful things that my mother did was she took me to church every single week. I mean, 
we went to church more than I went to school. I mean, we didn't have school clothes. When we went to school, they were like, why are you bringing church clothes to school? They were the same. They were one of the same, church clothes and school clothes. And my grandfather, my grandfather's one of the youngest of 27 children. He has 14 children. Those 14 children have about 70 grandchildren. I got 70 uh, cousins all around the city of Boston. We all sing, we all you know, do some type of dance or something. And my grandfather was the one. He used to always make me sing. He used to always make me go to rehearsal, always make me come to church. He'd always say, this is who a bullock is. This is what a bullock does. I went to church one time in a sweater. My grandfather grabbed me up, hit me against the wall, said, what are you doing with a sweater on? I, I was like 12. I said, I'm just wearing a sweater. He said, you ever see me wear a sweater? I said, no. He said, what do you see me wear? I said, a suit and tie. He said, I want to see you in a suit and tie every week. I would wear a suit and tie to church every single week. That was the type of uh, man my grandfather was. And so I'm thankful, man, because although he was annoying at the time, where I stand today, I recognize I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for my grandfather teaching me legacy, teaching me my identity. And, uh, and my mother still works in the same school, but she's not a cafeteria lady. She's a master's degree teacher in that school, been there now for about 20 years, and uh, she's doing fantastic, and so are my brothers. Man, that's a blessing to hear. And it sounds to me like really from the beginning, you just learned the power of being a God-fearing man and also just serving other people, right? And being able to pass it back down, which is something that, you know, especially in the African-American community, we long for a lot of the times. Because I heard you say, like, teaching me my identity. A lot yeah. of the times we don't know what our identity is, right? We don't know. There's so many things depending on who you love, you know, the people who you respond to, your, your friend groups, you, your church groups or not church groups. So it's a blessing to be able to have that. At what point did you think that, like, talk to me about, to get right into it, was there ever a, a trying time in your life where you felt like, because now it looks like you have it all mapped out, right? Looks yeah. like you're speaking, you, you tell stories with the best of them. Was there ever a time where when you were younger, you did not know your identity, even though you had your grandfather and your mother, where you felt like you were maybe lost and you had to search for it? Yeah, I call it the, the Simba syndrome, okay? So Simba has a syndrome where his father tells him that he's a king, okay? We all seen the Lion King. And Simba knows that I'm, I'm the throne, but what happens along the way, he makes what he makes some mistakes, all right? And he makes some mistakes in other people's eyes. And Scar convinces him, his uncle convinces him that he's not good enough for this position, that, that he don't really belong here. And so Simba says, forget it. I'm good. I'm, I'll just go out in Hakuna Matata. I'm going out into the jungle and I'm going to forget who I really am. I'm going to forget that I'm royalty. I'm going to forget that I'm a king. I'm going to forget... Uh, that there's a land waiting for me. Why? Because I don't think I'm worthy of it. And I went through moments like that, man, where I felt like there was a destiny for my life, but I didn't feel like I was worthy to walk in that destiny. Made some mistakes when I was younger. Man, it, one of the beautiful things about growing up in church is you don't smoke weed, you don't go to clubs, you don't, you don't, you don't do a lot of crazy things, you don't swear. One of the bad things about growing up in church is you learn how to hide things from people. And you learn how to perfect pretending. And so I got to a place, man, where I was struggling privately, but looking great publicly. And I needed 
Talk to me about it. And, and the reason why I say that is because a lot of people, they are at that same place right now, right? But even crazier, they're listening at this and they have that denial, not only with the public, but they start to deny even to themselves, yeah. right? So talk to me if you don't mind going into like, what was that that time where you were like, man, it, I got I to gotta change something up or I'm never going to get to who I'm supposed to be. Yeah, I think for me, man, I, I it, it it was the it was the dichotomy of living two lives, right? So there, the, there's a public me that, like you said, looks like it has it all together, but then there's a private me that has insecurities. There's a private me that struggles with low self esteem. There's a private me that has some character flaws. There's a private me. The public me looks great, but the private me don't go to work on time. You know what I'm saying? There there are things about me that I know that it needs to be worked on, and I think for me, man, it's 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 I had a I had the privilege of physically having my jaw broke. Hmm. Let me say this again. I had the privilege of right. physically having my jaw broke. One day I'm leaving church and I get into a fight outside the church. Some dude, random dude rolls up on me, get into a scuffle. When the scuffle is over, breaks my jaw. I have my jaw wired shut for six weeks. Now, mind you, my entire life, I've been singing. I've been preaching. My entire life, my voice has been my identity. My entire life, every good thing that's ever happened to me came because I sing, I was speaking, I was doing something. And now the very thing that I thought was my identity was snatched from me for six weeks because I'm sipping out of a straw because my mouth is wired shut. Mm -hmm. I'm talking like this. And can I tell you something? It was the best season of my life because in that moment I had to strip away okay what are you or who are you without the voice without the singing without the preaching without the talking who are you then and I met me for the first time and when I met me for the first time I realized that I was bigger than a voice I was bigger than the gift I was bigger than that 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 all the hiding and all that stuff that I was doing it was really me missing out on me because I was so busy. You know, it's like, it's funny. It's like, uh, everybody loves Superman, but you know who Superman likes? Clark Kent. <laughs> Superman is like, I, <laughs> Superman is like, I, I know y'all love when I'm, you know, rescuing Lois. I know y'all love when I'm fighting the, but, but what they don't know is he really wants to just go put on those glasses, put on a suit and be normal. Right. And I think for me, man, I got to be Clark Kent for six weeks. And when I got to be Clark Kent, I realized that who God made me to be is beyond the gift and beyond the public image and beyond what people uh, will have to see from me publicly. And it was a game changer. And so I tell people all the time, what's your jaw-breaking moment? Everybody's going to have one. You're going to have a moment where the real you is going to have to rise and the facade you is going to be broken. And in that moment, you're going to meet you for the first time. You're going to meet God for the first time. And it's going to be, be the beginning of you coming back to your kingdom, going back to my Simba <laughs> analogy. You're going yeah. to go back to the, your kingdom. You're going to go back to who you were destined to be. But this time you're going to get it. You're going to be healthy. And you're going to be whole in the process. Man, I love it. It was how much of your environment contributed to you feeling like you were in 
who you were supposed to be. You were going to become your Mufasa. Like, was it only soul searching? And the reason why I ask that is because there's a lot of people right now that might be feeling broken right now, but they don't necessarily know how to tell visually that this is who they're supposed to be. Right. So was it something that you read? Was it something that you talked to another pastor? You talked to your grandfather? How did you come to that moment? Because when I listen at those things, I hear it and I'm sure someone else does this says, man, that's so great that you found who you were supposed to be. But I don't even know, like, how will I know when it hits me? Yeah, there's a scripture in the Bible in Jeremiah where God speaks to a prophet named Jeremiah. And he says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Mm-hmm. We also see in scripture, there's a, there's a, there's a character. There are, two, there are two men, two boys, one named Jacob, one named Esau, twin brothers, inside their mother's womb. And the Lord shows up to speak to their mom. The Lord says to The Lord says to the mother, there are two nations on the inside of you. Before they even say a word, their destiny had already been determined. Before they even said a word, the Lord had already called them who they were supposed to be. Before Jeremiah was even formed, there was something in him. And I think when we are born, there is something in us that clicks. There's something in us that knows who we are. To be honest, I think that the older you get and the more you learn, the more you forget who you know you're who you know you're supposed to be. Hmm. So uh, there's a there was a there was a, a guy who went into a, a classroom, a college room, college uh, dorm room. You know, he's on a campus and he holds up a towel. He says, What is this? Everybody said that's a towel. And then he holds up a, a stick. He says, What is this? They said that's a stick. He said, No, look at it again. What is this? Says a towel. He holds up the stick. What is this? He says a stick. Same teacher goes into a, a kindergarten class. Holds up a towel. He says, what is this? They all said, it's a cape. He goes up the stick. He says, what is this? They said, that's a sword. (laughs) Same material, but different mindset. And I think we are born with gifts and we say, wow, this is my cape. This is my sword. And then somebody comes along and says, that ain't no cape. That's a towel. That ain't no sword. That's a stick. And so now you spend the rest of your life with this gift and this purpose and this dream that somebody talked you out of. And I think environment is huge because I think the right environment will bring you back to your sword and cape days. I think the right environment will let you know, wait a minute, wait, you don't just cook now. When you cook, come on, whoever, I don't know when Patty LaBelle, I don't know when she made her first sweet potato pie, okay? But 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 the first thing she made us sweet potato pie, somebody said, Patty, this ain't no regular, this ain't no towel. This ain't no stick. Somebody said, Patty, this is a sword. You better, you better right. sling these pies all over the world. Right. Now Patty probably been making pies her whole life. But 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 and I promise you, when Patty makes pies, there's a joy on the inside. There's something right. that resonates. Imagine if somebody said, Patty, your pies are good, but you ain't gonna make no money doing no pie. You know how many, you know how many sweet potato pies are out there? Do you know patty little pies, pies are so good, you can only get them at Walmart. It's the only place you can get them from. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm right. saying to you is that environment is everything because someone can talk you out of your purpose. Somebody can talk you out of your dream because it doesn't make sense to them. 
And you got to be careful giving your dreams to small minded people. Because if you give big dreams to small people, they will minimize and put a chokehold on your potential. So for me, man, I was in an environment where my grandfather demanded greatness. Mm. My grandfather always called me up. To be honest, when I ended up leaving that church and going to another church, it was because I had grown so much. My grandfather had put it in my mind to constantly grow that I always put myself in environments where I'm constantly growing. So I think the environment is, is, an impo- is important. And when you find the right one, man, I, there's no steps, man. I, I can't tell you, all right, you're going to feel this way. You're going to, I'm just telling you, hand in glove, you're going to know, I think I found my thing. I think I found what God knew about me before everybody talked me out of it. Man, I love that. And it's so funny because I was just talking to my homeboy just yesterday and we were talking about how you can manifest anything in your mind. But in those first moments that you talk about whatever your dream is, it depends on so much of your environment. If you say, man, I'm going to live in this neighborhood, which is something that I did. And I didn't even know this was about three years ago. Right. And my mom, it was just after my mom had passed away. And then my grandma and my uncle was here in town and we were going to look at a Christmas lights. And it was in a neighborhood that I said, man, I love this neighborhood. And I said, it would be so nice to live in here. Never knowing, never even having an expectation. I wasn't saying like, give me some time. I'm going to live in here. Right. I was just saying it, but not knowing that I was manifesting it. But what happened was at that time, my, my grandma and my uncle, they didn't say anything of like, Oh, you're definitely going to do it. But more importantly, they didn't be like, well, I don't know. Like, this is pretty big, you know? And so that was so huge because who knows if they would have said something of the negative, right? That my subconscious mind would have been like, oh man, they're right. Right. And that's what you're saying. Like you're important. So it's so important to protect your energy around your environment. And I love that you brought that part up. At what point did you know that you wanted to get back into speaking and trying to travel all over the country and, and really trying to tap into that gift. Because there's a lot of people out there that have a story similar to yours and mine, right? And they want to share it, but they don't have the confidence and they don't have the faith to, to really go out there on a limb and be able to share their story to think that it has enough importance and relevancy. So w- at what point did you really start to feel after you know, that thing where you're like, I could go do something else because I haven't been speaking for six weeks anyway. Yep. What did that look um, like for you? I think for me after that moment, first of all, I wanted to speak and preach and travel my entire life. So from the day I was born, that's all I ever wanted to do and sing. I think after that jawbreaking moment, I realized that it was it was it was destiny or or die, right? It was like, okay, since I if life is going to be hard either way, okay? Like, I was just like, all right. If life is going to be hard either way, I might as, I might as well do what I love doing and it'd be hard doing that. You know what I'm saying? Right. If, if I'm going to be getting in fights coming out of church, I might as well just go ahead and do what I love to do either way. And so for me, man, it was really a moment where I had a, I had a, different, a different, you know, kind of journey in the sense of, one of the one of the issues that me and my grandfather would tuggle with a lot, and he's just old school, you know, old, it's nothing wrong. He's just old school. Right. Don't ever promote yourself, right? It was like, hey, don't ever promote yourself, really. Stay humble, stay. So even though I had this great grand gift, my struggle was, I don't want to tell anybody about it. I don't want to, I don't want to overexpose because... Right. Pride, man. Pride come before fall. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to give the devil a foothold. 
And man, the scripture that rocked me was the words of Jesus. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father who's in heaven. It's one of my life scriptures. I think for me, where I made the turn was I said, you know what? I'm going to build a website. I'll never forget it. I, I, my wife, you know, I, I just, I got engaged. I told my wife, make me a website. I grabbed, we went in my, we went in like my mother's basement and took some, took some, some headshots of me in the basement. And I, I finally decided that I wasn't going to wait to live my dream. I finally decided that I was not going to be quiet about it, that I was going to tell people about it. And can I tell you something from the first day I released a website and a headshot as terrible and as horrible as it was from that first day, I have been speaking all over the country and I have, I have not looked back since. And so I would tell people, man, that you got to get to a place where you stop pretending that you're not as gifted as you are to make people who are less gifted than you feel comfortable. You got to get to a place where you stop being stagnant so that people who are stuck will feel good about their lives. Nope. Mm. I am going to be loud. I'm going to let my light so shine. Jesus said, let it shine. Let your gift shine. Let your dream shine. Let your, let your skills, your purpose shine and watch what God does in the end. Man, I love that. And so the quote that comes to my mind, and obviously he's not Jesus, but he's definitely somebody who I've always looked up to, but Jay-Z, he said, there's a line that he has and he says, they'll try to dim your light till you be humble. You know, I'm going to shine like a trillion watts. Hey, what's up, Dream Builder? Have you been getting any value out of this episode? Would you like to get more exclusive content just like this delivered right to your inbox? If so, head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com and you can sign up for the email list and that will give you access to exclusive content and more interviews just like this that's going to be delivered only to our tribe. So head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. We struggle. We want to broadcast that we have a talent, that we have a gift, that we have value we can give to the world. But at the same time, we're like, man, but if we come off too um, energized, right? If we come off too energized, it's going to look like we're egotistical, like we're arrogant, like that we're better than someone else. And we don't necessarily know how to communicate that, no, we're the same as you. We're just trying to live all in on our belief, on our purpose. And so I love that you brought that part up. Was there ever a time where you knew I'm made for this? Like, was there one time where you were on stage or something like that, that you caught, you caught the, for lack of a better word, the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and, 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 and everybody just went crazy and you came off feeling like you had just won your Super Bowl. Was there one time like that that you can imagine? Absolutely. It happened about three years ago at an event called Winterfest. Rochester, New York. Somebody invited, I, I had to be honest, I did a small little, small little pre church. It was like 15 people in this church, okay? And it was like a youth, it was like a youth revival, okay? A youth revival in Boston. I show up, there's like 15 kids. I was like, you know, okay. But for me, 15 or 15,000, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give it my all. I'm going all in. Right. And so I preach to these kids. I prophesy to these kids. I pray of these kids' life. I lay hands on these kids. Kids are getting like transformed before our eyes. 
afterwards, the pastor invited me, said, I'm going to I'm going to throw your name out uh, to this event we do called Winterfest. Have you ever heard of it? Said no. He was like, I'm we're going to I'm going to, you know, tell them about you. <clears throat> and uh, and if we invite you, can you please come? I said, yes. They invite me to Winterfest. Mind you, is it a small little church? 15 kids. So they said, hey, man, you coming to Winterfest? I said, oh, cool. Can't wait for Winterfest. I get to the hotel. And uh, one of the dudes who were with me, they said, hey, man, uh, you might want to come downstairs. It's, it's pretty packed. I was like, oh, cool. Good. I was thinking, oh, cool. The 15 member little church. Right. Maybe I got double. Maybe I'm at 30 members. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know. Right. No, they said, no, you might want to come downstairs now. You know, so I come downstairs, 3,000 raging teenagers in one room. And I sat there saying, wait, wait, what in the world's going on? And here was the moment for me. I preached. The, the power of the Lord moved. God bless those young people. But it, what happened was, as I'm standing on stage, when I walked out on stage, the Lord brought back to my mind. When I was 10, when I was 12, and coming home from school, grabbing a hairbrush and preaching to my toys. I would, I was, I used to preach to, to the air. I would, in my mind, I would see thousands of people and I'd have my hairbrush. I close my eyes and I'd be preaching. I'm speaking. And that day at Winterfest, I'm standing on the stage and I realize I've seen this room before. I realize I've been here before. This was not the first time I've seen this room. And this wasn't the first time I've seen these people. They were living in my dream long before I ever showed up. And to realize that I finally manifested, as the word you use, that the Lord showed me a vision and that I got to see the vision with my own eyes. The moment I walked off, I cried like a baby because I realized that everything I thought was a setback was a setup to get me to the place that God had already intended for me to be. Man, there you have it. I love that. Now, something else that I wanted to tap into, and I think that anybody can go and see the the video that you put on your social media and one of the videos that went viral, but you talked about your last name is bigger than your first name. And I think for a lot of people, especially in the people in our culture, they struggle with thinking bigger than themselves, right? It's it's that mindset of like, nobody ever gave to me, so I'm not going to give to nobody when I get it, right? But when you think, it's like, yeah, you build your foundation, which is you, right? But at the end of the day, why do we build a foundation? We build a foundation so we can put a solid home on it. And that home hopefully is big enough that we can bring our whole family in and we can create more memories. So that's when I think about building a legacy. The home is the legacy, right? And that's everything else. So talk to me about that. Like, when did that become, that's got to be my message? Well, the funny thing about it is that it started a family reunion. Somebody, somebody randomly requested that I speak at their family reunion. I've never spoken at a family reunion in my life. It wasn't my family. It wasn't. Right. That's what I first was thinking. It was like the Johnson family just wanted me to speak. And so... I was like, you know what? I'm a speaker. So let me, I'll speak at your family reunion. And I wrote a speech called Living for Legacy. And uh, that speech turned into a sermon that I preached at the church I attend at World Overcomers in North, Durham, North Carolina, church of 10,000 people, Pastor Andy Thompson, shout out to my pastor. And uh, man, I, I, that became a sermon and that we, we took a clip and I posted that clip, man. And I tell you literally within seconds of posting that clip. And the clip was pretty much, 
uh, me talking about uh, McDonald's, how many of the products that we purchase, we think they're products, but they're really families. That McDonald's isn't a product, it's a family. That a Rolls Royce isn't a product, those are families. Uh, that Welch's isn't grape juice, it's a family. And what the video was about was me pretty much saying, here I am making every family rich while I'm making my own family broke. And man, we dropped this video and all of a sudden, man, within seconds, within seconds, this thing just goes nuts. Celebrities, athletes, pastors, teachers, everyone starts sharing it. I'm getting calls for interviews. I'm getting flown across the country. I mean, so many things took place. And I realized that this is the mantra of my life. And I also realized that it struck a chord with the world. And I think it was Howard Thurman who says, ask not what the world needs, but ask what makes you come alive. For what the world needs are men who have come alive. And I realized that this message made me come alive. And because it made me come alive, I, I watched it make other people come alive. And I realized that this was the thing that the Lord wanted me to speak. And he wanted me particularly to speak it to millennials and Gen Z because I think it's a message that's missing. And I think it's something that we have to start taking more seriously. Wow, I love that. And so is there anything that, I know that you come from more of the spiritual side, but is there anything from the tactical and and side that you would say, here's the first thing that we have to start doing to better our situation for not only ourselves, but to be on the right path to building a legacy? Is there ever like a two or three step process that you try to at least give people nuggets on? The number one thing, the the number one thing, and it's something that you have to do constantly, is is write a vision. You have to have a vision, but you also need to write a vision. And you need to write it as detailed as you can possibly get it to be. And the reason why you got to do that, man, is because you got to, Stephen Covey says, start with the end in mind. You got to start with the end in mind. I think everyone, I, I, I hear people say stuff like, you know, I wake up and just, I don't like to plan my day. I like to see where the day leads me. I, I don't let my day lead me nowhere. I, I, I'm determining how this day is going to go because I, there are a lot of people who are in depression because their day led them into depression. They look outside and see the weather. And, oh, it's a great day. I guess, I guess it's going to be one of those sad days. No, you have to determine your day. You have to determine your month. You have to determine your year. You have to determine the next five years. What I'm asking people, what I'm asking millennials and Gen Z to do right now is describe 10 years for me. Describe what 15 years from now look like. Just let's think about it. This idea of just live for the day, I get it. Enjoy the day. Take the day in. Appreciate all the stuff that's happening within this day. But the best way to maximize today is by declaring my tomorrow, by saying, Mm. by saying, because I know where I'm going. Let me maximize what I'm doing in this day because I know where I'm headed. And I think there are too many people who have no clue where they are going. They are literally one Monday, they're one way. Tuesday, they're a basketball player. Wednesday, they're an astronaut. Friday, they're a gangster. It's like, can you can you make up your mind? And I think, yes, things change. Did we expect a pandemic? No. Well, let me ask you a question. I'm asking you a question. I know you're interviewing me, but were you doing this before the pandemic? Oh, absolutely. And and with the pandemic, are you stopped doing this or is this what you do? That's what I do. That's what I'm saying. So we know things happen along the way, but, but I actually think that when you have a plan, you are more prepared 
for change and for shifts to happen quickly. But those people who are just living life and don't know where you want to be in 10 years, I don't know how you can build a legacy. And this is what I believe. If you don't take time to build your own legacy, you will spend the rest of your life building someone else's. And I think that you need to start to determine what do I want my legacy to look like in the next five years. Man, I love it. And and that first thing that you said, I think everybody, no matter if you're a millennial or not, there's so many people just going through life that just like you said, they don't have their vision written down. And they've never thought about it, maybe because they're afraid to tell other people. Maybe it's because they're afraid to tell it to themselves. Maybe it's too small. Maybe they think that it's too big, right? And so they're afraid to, to maybe even shut themselves down. But one thing I always tell my students, I tell my friends, my family, like, at the end of the day, you do not have to love the journey, but you have to be married to the destination, yeah. right? But if you don't have a destination, you can't marry anything. If you just hop in the car, you know, it, it, that's very, very tough. So I love the fact that you said that. Was there ever was there ever a person besides your grandfather that has really been instrumental in your last three years in life to really, you know, let you, that you go to? that you would just consider like your mentor and it doesn't have to be somebody you physically know. I know you said you're a pastor in North Carolina, but for like me, somebody who I always go to that I feel like understands me, lets me talk my stuff. I'll keep it 100 is Jay, Jay-Z. Right. Yeah. And then I just feel like when he says certain things, like it's just so much of like, man, it feels like that's where I'm going. What about for you? Is there anybody like that? The number one influence in my life over the last maybe Three to five years, I do not know them. I only read their books, listen to their podcast, and just gravitate towards everything they touch. And uh, that man is Dave Ramsey, hmm. uh, the financial guru, Dave Ramsey. He's the debt-free guy. Everybody knows him that way. When I got introduced to Dave Ramsey's book, The Total Money Makeover, it, 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 had, this, it had the single most impact on my life than any other encounter I'm almost ever had other than meeting Jesus. I met, I got into contact with Dave Ramsey information because I, I was coming home from a vacation. And when I went to sit down to go pay my mortgage, I was short and I couldn't understand how I just had a lavish vacation. And now I'm short on my mortgage. And I said, something's wrong. And somebody had introduced a book to me called the total money makeover. I read that book in one day. It probably should take me a it should have took me a month to read it. I read it in one day. When my wife came home, I said, "Girl, we're going to be debt free. We're paying off this debt." At the time, I had eighty thousand dollars of debt. We had fifty thousand dollars student loans, ten thousand dollars on a credit card, and two car loans that had ten thousand dollars on it. And in two years, we paid off all eighty thousand dollars of debt, and mm. we became debt free. And it, it had such a major impact on me that I end up driving down to Nashville and I end up just going to go meet him and just want to shake his hand. And so I hope that everyone finds that person for them, because I do think that having that, even if it's a virtual mentor or even if it's a mentor through a book, maybe somebody who's going to read Living for Legacy and they're saying that's the book that changed everything for me. Uh, we need that. We need those moments. And I think that is critical for our growth. Man, I love it. I love it. It's funny. We just had uh, Anthony on Anthony O'Neill on the episode. He was actually just the last one released. So oh, I think wow. Anthony O'Neill, who's part of the Dave Ramsey, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Dead Free. So he talks to millennials on student loans and stuff like that. So and that's what's up, man. One of my brothers, and he is the guy to listen to for our generation without question. That's what's up, man. So, hey, it's been a, a super dope episode, and I always like to leave it with one thing. There's somebody out there who's listening right now that's super inspired. They love your story. They love where you come to it, also where you're going with the messages that you're preaching, and they would love to do something similar to what you're doing, or at least just step out on faith. But they have that little voice in their head, that little voice that says that they're not smart enough, they're not strong enough, or maybe they just don't have enough resources. What's the one thing that you say to that person to get them to just take action? I would just say that if it, like I said earlier, if it's going to be painful, I might as well go for it anyway. And I think that it's an easy word, believe, you know, like believe, just believe. We've been hearing it since we were kids. Uh, but the matter, truth of the matter is you do have to believe. Uh, you have to actually believe that what God put in me is greater than the obstacles against me. You have to actually believe that the pain of moving forward is better than the pain of standing still. You have to actually believe that my legacy is worth it. Because on the other side of that pain, on the other side of the unknown, there is so much victory, there is so much joy, and there is so much life. If, if COVID-19 hasn't taught us anything, it has taught us that we cannot keep waiting for everything to be perfect for us to finally make our move. One of the greatest quotes I ever heard is 80% good and shared with the world always changes more lives than 100% perfect and stuck in our heads. Mm -hmm. And I think that too many people have all their dreams stuck in their head at 100%. And I've been telling people, if you got 80% good, go ahead. Guess what? You, you, don't, you don't have it all together? Perfect. Do it without having it all together. You short? Perfect. Do it while short. <laughs> you, you don't have no rhythm? Perfect. <laughs> Do it with no rhythm. Because 80% good is always going to change the world. One of the most inspiring people in the world is Tyler Perry, okay? Tyler Perry, a, few, a month ago, released... Uh, a, a movie on Netflix and he got so much backlash from people who said that it wasn't edited right and wasn't cut right and it acting wasn't the greatest and Tyler Perry had to get on and so y'all do realize that while you all are all criticizing my work it was the biggest release <laughs> on Netflix this year you, you do realize that I was able to employ African-American men and women who desperately needed it because of this thing. And what he taught me was 80% good shared with the world, man. You're going to have to do it. I know it's not the best to you, but to somebody in their heart, it's going to change their lives. Let it go, release it, and let God determine where it goes. I love it, man. I love it. Super dope. Super inspiring. For anybody who wants to stay connected with you, where can they find you at? You can find me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram every day at, at Brian M. Bullock. I literally post every day. I, co I comment on everyone who comments under my posts. I try to say something to everybody. Uh, you got to get my book, Living for Legacy, at brianmbullock.com. That's my website. Uh, follow me on YouTube, Brian Bullock. You get all the information from the website. 
and from my Instagram. I tell people to go to my website so that they can stay tuned with all the products that are being produced. But I tell people to go to my Instagram because that's where I'm at every day. I'm on there. That's not a hired person. It's not an intern. That's me. I'm commenting. We're building family. We're building community. And uh, I love what we get to do. I love it, man. We'll have all of the links in the show notes uh, for the book, for the website, and also your Instagram. But again, man, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. And remember, Dream Nation, in the dream we trust, but we must take action because otherwise it'll only merely be a fantasy. We'll see you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side.